Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Dope Black Podcast. This is the Dope Black Dad Podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. Thank you so much for joining and listening in today. I am joined uh, by Hayley Smith. Hayley, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Marvin? I'm really good. So you're a clinical psychologist, mother of two boys uh, with SEN. Can you just explain what SEN is to everybody or SEN is to everybody? Um, Yes, uh, it's children who have specialist education needs. Amazing, and so children who are identified as yeah. Is that, is that that's a formal identification uh, for you to identify them as ten? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Amazing, thank you for clarifying. Um, so I, I was on Good Morning Britain, uh, and I was speaking. Was I speaking about four day work, four day school week? It was four day school week. Right? Yeah, that that was one of your interviews. I saw a, you've been on a couple of times, haven't you? Recently, yes, yeah, yeah, and you were. Um, and, the, and it was also the one about uh, temperature and spending time away from uh, outside of school or changing the curriculum um, to, to facilitate different types of children. Um, and then you wrote me a, an amazing email. Um, and it's, it's a very it's a very com- comprehensive email. And, and I feel like one of the things that always identify me is I, I don't necessarily read the email straight away. What I look for is structure, tone, and keywords, <laughs> I skim first to see how it's centered. But the way you structured it was very, very comprehensive. And I was like, I feel we could benefit from having a really important conversation with you. Um, do you want to talk to me a little bit about what made you actually write the email? What exactly did you hear and see that uh, prompted you to get in touch? Yeah, I think um, you are very good in, well, the, the point that you're putting across is that ch- young people, children are being distressed by the education system, that mental health is an absolute crisis at the moment. It has been building up for years um, and COVID and lockdown hasn't helped, but the education system is actually, as it is, causing children distress particularly vulnerable children who um, have additional needs, they're neurodiverse, they have a different way of learning, they've um, perhaps experienced trauma um, and have attachment difficulties. And um, you were talking about that, you know, that it's the system that needs to change and there's an d- ongoing debate and you were being shut down in a way by, you know, are we modelly coddling our children? Are we wrapping them in cotton wool? And I was shouting at the telly, no, we're not. You know, I see the evidence as a clinical psychologist. I was like, yes, Marvin. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be heard. It's that the system needs to change. 
Absolutely. And what, what are you seeing in the work that you do? Um, it'd be great to also hear a little bit more about the experience you're having with your sons. Actually, what I'd like to do first is actually what, what made you consider getting your children formally diagnosed? And, and are they formally diagnosed with a form of neurodiversity or what actually is the process and what was the identifiers that made you go and look into it further? Well, you know, I could talk about my children and they're the, the eldest um, does have a diagnosis of dyslexia. Um, the youngest, who's seven, the eldest is 10, the youngest is seven. Um, he doesn't have a diagnosis of ADHD, but ticks all the boxes and um, that's what school think he has. That's what we think he has. He's got sensory difficulties, visual processing difficulties. School is a nightmare for him. But, you know, that my children are just a couple of examples. I, I got them diagnosed because this, unless you, within this school system, get children diagnosed and labelled, um, it's a massive battle just to get them treated as individuals and their individual needs, learning needs and support needs recognised in school. So that's why I had them assessed and, and go down that process. But But... In answer to your other question, what I see in my practice is bigger. That you know, that's the bigger picture. My children included in that. Um, the bigger picture is families and children are coming to me in the hundreds, and my colleagues who, who work in the same profession. They're um, suicidal. They're they're literally self harming. Don't want to get out of bed. Don't see the point in living. Um, they don't want to go to school. They think they're stupid, worthless, lazy, um, de- completely demotivated about life. It's a huge problem, a huge crisis. This is what I'm seeing. And it used to be, uh, I'm a family therapist as well, so I work with systems, hence why I look at systems. So I look at the family system. And of course, you get um, kids with trauma because there's stuff going on at home. You get kids that have experienced other traumas that they need therapy for, bereavements and so on. But more and more and more, I'm seeing kids who are traumatised by the education system and I'm hearing it left, right and centre. And so then it's not the children that need fixing. They get sent to me to be fixed or they get sent to CAMS, you know, the... Um, mental health system for children and adolescents who are just in a crisis as well because there are too many children coming to them you know if if the education system is broken and not working and causing so much distress that's a whole load of hundreds and thousands of children who are developing and have mental health difficulties and and people can't keep up with it that's incredible and what would you say in terms of because one of the things is interesting I, I was talking to my friend so I, i'm undiagnosed but i believe I have ADHD. Uh, the more I've experienced and listened to and read and watched testimonies of people who have ADHD, it's literally my lived experience from as long, far back as I remember. Um, and every time I speak to someone about it, I think there's still like a stigma and they, they feel like you're not hyperactive and they'll say something like that, but like it presents differently in adults than it does in children. But what, what in terms of other parents identifying things, what would you say is important for them to understand about having uh, children with uh, uh, special education needs? Well, you know, a lot of the kids I see, um, I mean, I'm dyslexic myself, so, uh, you know, I hear you. I've had that lived experience through school and I I was um, often labelled as lazy and naughty. And I think for all adults, it's parents and teachers, isn't it? It's any significant adults around children who need to understand them um, because that's how they develop their sense of selves and their... um, their self-esteem 
if you've got if you're neurodiverse you've got ADHD you're dyslexic you're autistic um, or any other needs um, your children communicate through their behavior so when children are young they often can't say I can't concentrate you know so they'll stand up and walk around the room or they'll run out the classroom or they'll you know finally when they get out to play they'll start hitting out or you know they start zoning out or you know their behavior will show you that they're struggling for parents and teachers that can look like naughty disruptive behavior that's children communicating their needs and if you listen to their needs and recognize what's going on underneath okay so you know johnny you know struggles to sit in his chair um, let's give him some more movement breaks. Let's give him some sensory toys. Let's let him outside more. Um, let's nurture him. Let's listen to him. And you'll see the behaviour change. And a child that feels understood won't label themselves as naughty or lazy. Uh, and they're more likely to be able to learn and flourish a- as children, both at home and at school. What's the most powerful thing is that obviously having a lived experience gives me a real good understanding, but also an empathy for I think my worldview is now is that I would say we're all on some form of spectrum in in some way, shape or form. And once you understand, it will probably be more appropriate that you would create schools for that specialise in different parts of the spectrum. And then they lead with that type of education and then the other stuff becomes secondary. And you basically would apply to a school that had a particular way of being what what would is is that make sense to you or is that what would you say would be the next steps that education need to do to change the way that they work i don't marvin i don't i think it's bigger than that i don't i don't think it's necessarily about having specialist schools i think they can be helpful um for certain groups of children who who really um have a whole load of complex needs so there are cases where i think yeah a specialist small really tiny nurturing environment suits certain children but on the whole the kids that i'm seeing and that we're talking about here that just um you know you and i were them back in the day you just need a school system an education system that works for everybody and the problem i've been doing some research on the development of the education curriculum and this seems to be the root of what's going on so back in the just in a nutshell back in the 60s and 70s um teachers started getting more training on psychological theories around learning and child development so they they developed methods of teaching that suited all children it was more project based it was more sitting groups it was more play based it was it was less structured um, children had more movement in the day and they were able to meet individual needs within a class because they looked at individual children or groups of children and thought well they learn best in that way or they learn best in that way and they had the freedom and the choice to to do that so it wasn't a problem you don't have to then have a specialist school for children you can a, a teacher can then meet need within a classroom what happened is the government decided that um, that was just no no better than than play and that children weren't being educated to a good enough standard, even though there was no research to back that. Actually, the research backs the opposite, that if those, that, those kind of environments that work in Finland, who have the best education system in the world, have very relaxed, unstructured education um, systems where you know children are given breaks throughout the day to eat and to to relax there um, they don't, they're given very little homework they, they learn through play they don't start till they're seven 
um, they're not tested by standardized tests and drilled and, and told to rote learn things. They, they have the best education system in the world. That's what we should be looking for. And then uh, children can develop relationships with their, their teachers and be understood individually. This is the problem. So the government's taken over the curriculum. It's been politicised in a way that what's going to, the intention of the curriculum is a political one that's not child-centred. It can't be child-centred if it's political. It's not, they've not looked at the evidence and there's been years of criticism about that, that the government have handpicked evidence from certain countries and certain bits that suit their agenda to develop a curriculum that's just simply not working for children and it's causing them distress. But what do you think the motivation is to politicise it and what, what, what would be the reason? Because it sounds really obvious. We have evidence in the particular countries that if the welfare of the children is centred, then it's very much we should approach our school days like this and, you know, it should be cut and shut, No. Yeah, well, I I've been thinking long Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm hard about it, Marvin. And one of the reasons um, might be that if governments can say we're raising educational standards, they've used that as a rhetoric for many years and I don't know what raising education standards means apart from children getting better grades and GCSEs and A-levels but their their way of doing that is um, overload them with information in a way that you have to look forward, stay silent, do as you're told and rote learn masses of information. There's no consideration for um, different learning styles and what suits and how children intrinsically learn through interest. So the government can then say we've we've got better results for our for our education system and we're achieving we're a high achieving nation. The more cynical side of me thinks that the government might might want to produce um, 
generations of people who make an ideal workforce for them, a workforce that will um, do as they're told and uh, be, you know, happy to be oppressed and not challenge things. And that's what the education system at the moment is churning out kind of children who are expected to be robots and all the same, tick all the boxes, not question anything and do as they're told. And what would you say, so is there a difference in approach in terms of like neurodiverse children versus children that have gone through uh, family trauma, um, uh, adopted children, foster children? Um, what, what would you say is a different approach needed or do you think it's all a part of the one care system that we need to put in education? Well, look, all children need nurture. You know, children, what we know from research is children learn best. Adults learn best as well, by the way, don't they? You know, if we're in work environments that are more nurturing and supportive and um, they're not punitive and we have more freedom, we can do our jobs better. And we know that that's why work environments are becoming more open and, you know, we can work more flexibly. Children learn better generally in nurturing environments where they're given lots of breaks, their needs are recognised. The more vulnerable children that I see a lot of, I work with a lot of adopted families, uh, kids in care who've, who've experienced trauma and still experience trauma. They certainly need a nurturing environment. You know, if, it, if in the current climate where teachers, this is not a teacher blaming thing, by the way, because teachers are just part of the system. Um, they're forced to use behaviour man- management strategies that are far from nurturing, that don't make any psychological sense, that use anxiety and fear uh, and control to make kids learn. Well, if you've had a history of trauma, for example, and you know, you've been abused, then a teacher raising their voice or using pu- punitive measures or anxiety is, is going to literally traumatise you in the classroom. How are those children meant to focus on learning when they're simply trying to survive at school? What would you say about the, the kind of testing SAT, GCSEs approach to things? Um, you know, someone might say that it's great for measuring children's progress and so therefore we know what level they're at and where to support them and get better. What, what would you say? Listen, cu- curriculums are, are developed with you have to have an intention. So we've talked about, you know, if the government develop it, they have an intention. That fre- that kind of sets the scene for then the content that you, that you want children to learn about, how you deliver it and how you measure it. And all of those things influence each other. So if you the government have set a system that it used to be years ago, didn't it? Just tested at 16 and 18 GCSEs and A-levels. They've now ramped that up to testing at preschool, 7, 11, 14, 16, 17 and 18. And and schools often test in between that. So, And it's all standardised testing. So if you're going to use those measurements... Uh, exams and tests to measure where children are educationally then you develop a curriculum that has to have content that's easily measurable so then that dictates the content which is usually quite dry and uninteresting children are getting bored to death they don't want to learn about subordinate clauses at the age of five it's irrelevant you know it's it's not of today's world is it it's they're not interested in it but they have to have kind of standardized content so that you can measure it in an exam and tick tick it you know it's right or wrong if you use more creative content and ways of teaching children it is harder to measure it through exams if you use exams and tests to measure children um, the main way of delivering is going to be through writing, isn't it? 
Um, you teach children to write. The teachers tell you what to write. Children who struggle to read and write um, and process things in that way kids with dyslexia adhd autism or just different learning styles are going to really struggle and so testing children in that i was just going to say do, do you think there's a way to identify as i say is there a way to identify that your children may be more academic led versus more creative led are there signifiers and how, how do we stop making that inherently wrong i think it's one of those things that if you have a, a more creative leaning child we all love the arts. Everyone listens to music. Everyone will go yeah. to a gallery and get things and put the art on their wall and watch TV. And we don't respect the journey it takes to actually make it happen, the grassroots environment it takes to develop the people who create all of these amazing things for us. Um, yeah. Is there one, is the, what, the first thing, is there a way to identify as a parent that potentially there may be areas to see that actually my child may, may create your learning and that's okay? Um, and then two, what, why, why do you think people don't value um, the creative pursuits in the same way that they do more the academic pursuits. That's a that is a cultural thing, and again, it's it's it's. I mean, it's our culture in our country, isn't it? We appreciate it, like you say, we appreciate the arts and other people um, um, having those talents, but we don't appreciate it in the education system. Well, if you don't appreciate it in the education system, how are we meant to keep? Um, providing you know an education where children with those talents can flourish and certainly when you've got a curriculum that prioritizes maths and English and science as core subjects and absolutely you know arts and dramas and forest school uh, and all the amazing things ways that children learn are add-ons they're seen as add-ons and extracurricular aren't they so that is government kind of ideology that's that's pushed down um in, in a way to say that if we want to keep up and create uh, children who are going to get re- get good jobs um you need to be good at maths and english and science well uh, you know you can get good jobs in so many ways and you don't have to pass exams to get good jobs but that's a rhetoric that's used isn't it and and actually you can use um project-based learning and journals and video recordings as way and teacher assessments as ways of assessing where young people are at Um, you don't need exams children often who are neurodiverse and have different ways of learning flourish in systems where there are no exams uh, and they're learning they're learning what they're interested in and they they have other ways of showing what they've learned it doesn't have to be through exams it's really black and white and, and a rigid way of thinking Amazing. Hayley, thank you so much. If, if I was the uh, Minister of Education for the UK, I, I, there's no point referencing the one that's in there now. It's probably going to be about to be all changed. What would be your mm. your your final words to him? What would your sentence to, or your statement to him be? Or, well, or her, sorry. Yeah, I, ha- I have written to the um, education secretaries as they've <laughs> changed. And the response is a very political one. The response um, that I get back is... Um, uh, Dr. Smith, we've we've um, ploughed thousands of uh, of uh, pounds into mental health of children. Um, that's not the answer, you know. It's not about putting a, a counsellor in a school um, to help children who are absolutely on their knees because the education system has caused the distress in the first place. How is that helpful? It's not about money. It's not about. Um, putting money into mental health and and those services it is about changing the way we teach and the biggest kind of hidden things that 
the education department need to be held accountable for two things really is they're not listening to the actual research it's not a political agenda my agenda is not a political one and you yourself and people that speak out um you've got to, they've got to look at the actual ev- evidence base about how children learn how they flourish what are the best environments the best ways of schooling children that don't create distress but do create good results you can have both you can have environments that are nurturing that are relaxing that don't overload children to the end that they're running away from school or uh, parents having to pull them out of school or they're developing really serious mental health problems you can have nurturing environments and produce good results and Finland are an example of that the hidden thing that the government are doing that not many people are aware of is um, not only are they dictating the content um, and the testing of schools they um, and they use Ofsted to police schools, by the way, don't they? We all know that. So schools, teachers are not to blame because they're just part of a system that's been dictated to and policed by Ofsted. And if they don't work in the ways that the government tells them they should work, they're labelled as bad, aren't they? Or poor or head teachers are outed, teachers, good mm-hmm. teachers are outed. Um, the hidden thing is that... It's called the secret garden in British education. Um, The government don't use legislation, but they use persuasion and coercion through political pamphlets, government reports, funding incentives and in-service training, as well as school inspections to influence and criticise teaching methods. So this is the first time in English history and British history that... Um, the government um, di- are dictating how how teachers teach, not just what they teach, not just how it's measured, but how they teach. And that's not many people know about that, I don't think. Hayley, thank you so much. That's been incredibly important. I think your passion is palpable. So um, I very much appreciate you joining me um, to enlighten all of our listeners. Uh, where can people find out more information about you or, or the things that the work that you're doing, if it's publicly available? Uh, no, I, I, I don't have anything publicly available at the moment. Um, I'm working on that. I'm setting up a, a group and I'll be setting up a Facebook um, account and, and I'm working on that because I think, you know, people need to. The biggest thing is that people, everybody, parents, teachers, anybody who cares about children needs to educate themselves on this. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, very much appreciated. Um, and yeah. Please, when you are ready, please come back to us and we'll continue this conversation again for our listeners to get an update. That'd be fantastic. Will do, Marvin. Thanks for having me on. Dope Black Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.